Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Today, I have a guest I think you will really enjoy. Beverly Shoemaker has quite the story. Her oldest son has had several military tours as special forces, and during the height of Desert Storm while in Iraq, he was in a Humvee that was blown up, but he walked away totally unharmed. When he returned to the States, they had a big family reunion celebration in Ohio to celebrate that he was home safe, and you know, especially from what had happened. Bev flew back home to Colorado after that, only to get a phone call that her youngest son, Nick, was in a terrible accident hit by a drunk driver and was in the ICU, not expected to make it through the night. And she could not get a plane out until the next morning. So here she has this son who's been serving in the war. He comes home safe, and now her younger son is in danger of losing his life. After five days, he was declared clinically brain dead, and we're going to skip the details of what that was like for her. She and I talked for about an hour, and I'm not going to share all those details with you because I know some of these things can be triggers, and we're going to pick it up as she says goodbye to her son, Nick, and leaves the hospital. And I just want you to know that our conversation will quickly turn to some of the ways that she was able to cope with her son's death, and I'm pretty sure as you listen all the way through Bev will be passing on a thing or two that will be helpful and encouraging to you that were passed on to her by another mom who had lost her son years before. So let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Bev Shoemaker. I remember as I went to Nick's bedside saying to him, if you need to go be with Jesus, it's okay. And I basically gave him permission to, to leave Mm. in that moment. And I will say that when I, the next time that I had walked into the room, um, that was that morning that we were given the information before that. And I remember looking and, and at my son and knowing that, um, his spirit was gone. I, there's Mm. something in people that work in healthcare. You, you see that sometimes Mm. as you well know, just a horrible time. I remember walking out of that hospital, just that slow, walk down the longest, darkest hall ever out of that hospital after I had said goodbye to my son for the last time, you know, at the same time wanting to turn and run back and and not not accept it. Mm -hmm. And uh, went and, you know, started the funeral arrangements and the pastor of the church back there, which was a church that I had attended, called me on the phone and he said, I have a lady in our congregation that would like to talk with you because she had lost her son seven years prior in a, in a tragic car crash. And um, so I was like, sure, you know, I'll talk to her. Sometimes people are open to it and sometimes they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was open to it. And I, uh, I remember as she got on the phone with me, she really brought me a lot of solid word, I guess I want to say, And she became a picture of hope for me. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking if this woman, she knows, because, you know, Mm -hmm. when you walk into the, into somebody that has experienced this, there's almost like a bond, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know, my pain, 
mm-hmm. we speak the same language. Yes. Yes. And so I respected that. And I, and she told, and this is what she told me. She said, Bev, if you get into the word, I promise you that God will bring you through this. Mm. He will bring you through this. And so I held on to that. Mm-hmm. I held on to that. And I, um, and that's what I chose to do. That's the direction I chose to go. And I have to say, when I back up that I did not have a, what I would call a very strong relationship with the Lord, I would say that I was um, a pew sitter or, you know, show up and sit in the uh, green seat, uh-huh. red seat, whatever yeah. they are and thought, <clears throat> and thought my relationship, you know, I thought, I, I believe that Jesus was the son of God and he, Mm-hmm. And he died for us. And I knew all of that, but I did not know him intimately in my mm-hmm. heart. And I think that this journey took me to places that um, I would have never gone to know the depth of how much God loves me and that he was there for me. And he showed up for me when, every day when I did not want to live, I mm-hmm. did not want to go forward. And, and was just like, um, my strength. And the more I got into the word and the deeper I got into the word and I listened to praise and worship music, I watched Christian TV. I just saturated myself with the word because I figured what other choice do I have? Because I didn't think I was going to make it any other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think of when Jesus had that real hard, Uh, when he was preaching and he was talking to the crowds and he said something about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And at that point, a lot of people turned away. And so he turned to his main group and said, are you going to leave me also? And Peter said, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. You you're the one that has the life that I need. And that that's kind of what I think of, you know, in our darkest place, there are so many. Now, you and I have uh, a very similar passion of walking with, now you do a lot of um, more trauma work. I specifically walk with parents, but you do a lot of that too, because it is a trauma. So we have kind of a similar passion. So I know that you also run across a lot of parents who've lost a child or people going through traumatic things, and they push God away. They're angry at God. They blame God. How do you, what do you say to them when they, when they're telling you this, this is God's fault. I don't, you know, that may have worked for you, but I can't do that. I can't read my Bible. I can't, I can't talk to God like that. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember one of the retreats that I had in Colorado, there was a lady that her son was a Marine and she's a gold star mom. So Mm, he he died tragically in a parachuting accident. And um, she was this very person that you're talking about. And and I'll give you two instances. So she came to the retreat and, and as we were going through the things we go through, she's like, I can't even read one word. I can't Mm -hmm. read one line of the Bible. And I, and I don't, feel that we put any pressure on her at all. I think we mm-hmm. just, we just loved on them. We sat with her in it because she was still pretty fresh, you know, early mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, just, just continued to encourage. And she was there with, you know, we were a group of moms that have all walked in the same place mm-hmm. at different stages. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I heard this piano 
um, because I, you know, we were, we stayed at the ranch too there. And I heard this piano one morning and I got up and I went out and she was sitting at the piano and she was just weeping. Hmm. And she said, I have not been able to play music, seek God, worship God. And something in her broke while she hmm. was there and she was able to turn back. Hmm. And so I think that was the love of Jesus because I feel like the Holy Spirit's the one that has to do the work. Yes. And, and we walk as, as Jesus did with people and have compassion on them and just show them, mm-hmm. Hey, I get it. I was angry. Yes. I laid in mm-hmm. my field and screamed at God after Nick yeah. was killed, yeah. but God knows our heart. But the other lady that is the opposite side, she had a strong relationship with the Lord. And when I approached her to come to one of the retreats, she was also a gold star mother. She absolutely was like, I don't want any part of it. I I don't want anything. I don't want any part of it. And, you know, all I could say to her was, you know, I understand. I understand where you are, but I'm I'm Mm -hmm. here if you ever feel that you, you want to reach out. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, and I didn't ever hear from her. So we're, you know, we're, I, what do I want to say? We're not going to save them all. And I think that, like I said before, the Holy Spirit is the one that has to really get a hold of them. Right. But I think it's also helpful because I think Christians, other Christians around us who have never lost a child or experienced this depth of a trauma, their solution is, well, are you going to church? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you, you know, doing all the kind of pat spiritual answers? And legitimately, when we're in that deep and dark of a place, some parents just can't do that. Right. And it, it makes things harder right. when they're told, well, that's what you need to do to get past right. this. Right. And that makes it even harder. Whereas other parents like you and myself, we've been on this journey for 10 years and we can say that's okay. I mean, God's still with you, whether, I mean, he's still there. And if I can put that out there, there were many, many days that um, the pain was so intense and, and the grief was just, just ripping me apart that did I, what on those days, would I feel like God was right there with me? Maybe not, maybe not necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I would get up and just push forward. And, you know, I learned to just do the day that was right before me, Mm -hmm. because if I tried to think of the future and it would become so overwhelming and so incredibly painful that I had to just back up. And I had a, a lady that I met when I went back to work and she was a, she was a bereavement counselor. And like, again, I feel like, you know, she was sent into my life and she was really good at um, just talking to me. And she would just say, you know what, this, this always has stuck with me, Bev, give yourself permission to feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. Because yes. there were days that I think, you know, and you know, that you hear this, we hear from people. Well, everybody else out there expects their lives are disrupted because our life has been disrupted, whether mm-hmm. it's friends or family, and they want their normal back. Yes. They want you back in their life and they want things to go back to the way that they were. And they're in, and you and I both know that they will never go back to the way they were. Right. Uh, it can't. We have, um, uh, what do I want to say? This is pretty, you know, big, huge missing piece of the puzzle of our life or our tapestry is, you know, it's incomplete and we can't Mm -hmm. fill that hole or we can't fill that void and it can't, we can't replace that. Mm -hmm. So that being said, you know, we have to just do what we have to do. I finally had to realize for myself, 
I have to take care of Bev. I have to do what Bev needs for Bev in this. Mm -hmm. It's not selfish. It is not selfish, but it, the, the problem is you've got to watch that fine line of walking of where you're staying in this so long that it becomes unhealthy too. Yes. Yes. Because it can turn into self-pity and becoming a victim of the circumstance instead of legitimate grief. Right. Yeah. And that, that you're right. That's a fine line. That's a fine line. I remember when Becca died at the beginning, it was like, if it was like, I'd want to introduce myself as hi, I'm Mara and my daughter died. I mean, it just, you feel like it's part of your identity of who you are and people need to know that's who I am. So it's almost kind of like, that's one of those signs. I think that, you know, you're turning a corner is when you don't feel like you want to say that right? (laughs) when you, when you introduce yourself. So those kinds of things are just normal for, and other people don't understand that unless you have been in this place of the death of your child. Like I said at the beginning, I'm pretty sure Bev was able to pass on to you some things that were helpful and encouraging. Next week, we're going to turn a corner to specifically talk about finding meaning and purpose in our lives again. And for Bev, that was even harder to do because her husband ended his own life three years after their son Nick died. She'll touch on that next week and share about how she found her way out of a place of such deep darkness after both of those traumatic losses. Bev talked about having retreats. I want to let you know that GPS Hope has two hope and healing retreats planned this spring, and we just got the information out there. There is one in Georgia. It's pretty much on the uh, Georgia-South Carolina border, and it's going to be the weekend of March 18th through the 21st. This is for a mixed group of both those who will be attending without a spouse and for couples. It's a beautiful rented home on a lake, and Dave and I are pretty excited to be able to offer this. The second one is for moms only. It's April 22nd through the 24th, and it will be in the Columbus, Ohio area, specifically Hawking Hills. Uh, My nephew just got married on a covered bridge in that area, and it is a beautiful area. Both of these retreats are being sponsored by a family in honor of their son, Eric Breslau, so the cost is extremely reasonable. In fact, for the retreat in Ohio for moms, a single bed in a shared room is included with the registration fee because of the sponsorship. So be sure to check these out because I have a feeling they're going to fill up quickly. The one in Georgia has a limit of 14 people. We like to keep them small and intimate. We get places where we can just really get to know each other, and it's just a special weekend. And the one for moms in Ohio has a limit of 17 moms. So you can find out more about them, including getting yourself registered at gpshope.org retreat. And I will have a link to that in the show notes. Let's go ahead with our birthday segment this week. Sarah Jordan was born on December 11 and is forever 42. Tanner Allen Harris was born on December 13 and is forever 20. Cameron Paddock was born on December 14 and is forever 22. We celebrate the day that these children came into the world because we know this is still such an important day to their families. 
If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced on the podcast the week of their birthday, I would be honored to do that and share him or her with our listeners. Just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the information, submit the form, and we will add them to our birthday segment. I want to close with a question I asked Bev and her answer. I want to read a quote from you, something that I wrote down. And you said, if I had not allowed God to heal the wounds I carried in my heart, I would have missed all the blessings he had in store for me. And I think to some of our listeners, that may sound crazy, that God still has blessings for us. They don't believe there's still blessings that God has for them. So how, let me ask you, how does your life look different? How different is it now? You know, 10 years down the road, it's been 10 years, right? Is that, no, 17, 17, 17. Okay. Yeah. 2004. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I could do the math. Good night. <laughs> so yeah, you're even a lot, quite a bit further down the road than I am. So, you know, how does your life look different 17 years down the road? What are some of those blessings that you have seen come into your life? I remarried a wonderful man, a godly man. I have three beautiful grandsons. The people that I have met in my life in so many areas and so many different arenas just opened up um, just doors for me that I never thought I would walk through and just, just loving, actually loving life again. And I never thought that I would be able, you said this in the beginning Mm -hmm. that we would ever be able to say, I love life again, coming to that point. And that's when I knew that I was healed because I finally had to come to the acceptance and the realization, you know what, Nick is never going to come back here. You know, I'm not going to ever know him again on this earth the way that I knew him, you know, as my son, but I will see him again. I -hmm. know that I will see him again. His legacy lives on that. That's perfect because every time I share my story, his legacy lives on Mm -hmm. and and you could probably uh, be in agreement with this, but our, our, as a mother, the thing that we want to, to, for the world to know the most is that our child lived they had a yes. fr- footprint on this earth and I yes. want you to know who he was. And I guess, and their life mattered. Yes. Yeah. And their mm-hmm. life mattered. And so I am able, when I do share to share who Nick was, you know, I didn't do that here, the type of person he was and in the things that he did. And so that is our biggest thing. I think as a mother that we want people to know, Hey, I had a kid, like you said, I'm Becca's, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, yeah. I'm Becca's mom. And, um, Yeah. And you already mentioned that your relationship with the Lord has just is so much deeper and richer than it ever was. I mean, and I, I find that for myself, I think we change. I mean, you already said we'll never be the same person. And I think sometimes in the beginning, we think that see that as a negative thing, I'll never be the same, but it's a positive thing too, because I think there are so many things that change in us that we've talked about just being more compassionate, uh, you know, those kinds of things that it's like, I'm not the person I was, but I mean, would I rather have Becca back? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Right. But I wouldn't want to be the person I used to be because there have been so many deep things done in my heart that I actually like who I am better now because of what I've been through. (laughs) Me too. And I can say this, And when I say the treasures that there have been so many people that have through this um, testimony that have come to know the Lord, Mm. 
mm-hmm. God has used that in, in mighty ways. And even if someone isn't the direct person to pray with them or directly lead them to the Lord, we all know some plant the seeds, some do the yes. watering and some bring in the harvest. And right. so, you know, in listening to this, don't feel like we're saying, you know, pressure you into, well, you need to use this to lead people to the Lord. Right. You can be one that God's using to plant the seeds, right? You can be the one that God's using to water the seeds that someone else has planted. Right. So we're all a team in this together. Exactly. We're, we're all in this together. Yes, we are all in this together. Beth and I both encourage you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.